The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Roma Craft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor strength and body you are looking for in that moment when you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch simple yet substantial tobacco talent time romacraft tobacco the after show the after show the after show show. it's the after show everybody i hate this place today was leg day and my balls dropped finally it's what Today was leg day and my balls oh, dropped. Okay. When did cigar taxes get out of control? When did cigar taxes get out of control? And I say that after a year of not going so crazy, but because we were smoking cigarillos uh, in the regular show today, um, it got me to think when um, this is the cause, actually. Uh, cause and effect. Cigarillos are the cause? The cause. And I'll get to that. It happened in the 90s. Uh, sales of little cigars quadrupled in the U.S. from 1971 to 1993. Do you know why that was? Volume. Surgeon General. Well, obviously, <laughs> they sold more. <laughs> it's volume. Uh, in response to, as Ed Sullivan said, Public Health Cigarette Smoking Act. It was the Public Health Cigarette Smoking Act, which bans the broadcast of cigarette advertisement and requires stronger health warnings on the packs of cigarettes. And cigars were exempt from that. Cigars were allowed to advertise, as they are now. If somebody's not accepting advertising on cigars, that's a radio station, a TV station, um, whatever, um, allow not doing it because they choose not to. When you see things like Cigar Journal magazine that's loaded with cigar ads, that's because they can. It's not that they're only allowed. Everybody's allowed. Advertise cigars if you want to. And got a little nervous there. Yeah, he, he went down. The, yeah, he, to, he was he was dangerously under close. the desk. Uh, considering you still haven't shaven, uh, you're safe, buddy. I didn't shave either today. Yeah, I wasn't going out with a freshly shaven face. Exactly what I thought <laughs> okay. of. I go, you know something? Am I the only man on the panel? You didn't shave you either. Didn't shave either. I shaved. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Zero stubble. Zero stubble. Ooh. Do you have to shave your head every day? I shave my head every day like a fucking man. What do you use? A razor? Men have I hair do. on their head. Now. I he uses a lady bick. Dollar Shave Club razor uh, with the, the five or six blades or whatever it is. It yeah. gives me the closest shave. Yeah, it's a bunch it's of too bullshit. Many blades. Five. Yeah. I know. Somebody will buy this ridiculous thing with five things. Oh, Jonathan will you, go for it. You know what's exactly like that? Lectins. Cigar lighters, right? You started with one flame. The razor started with one yeah. blade. Then two, then three, three. four. Yeah, then when Here's you get the to thing, five, it's ridiculous. No. it's ridiculous. Here's the thing. When you get to five, you can have such a dramatic blade angle that you're not really shaving down to the skin level until the fourth blade. But here, because it just takes little shaves off the hair and just gets it use closer the fourth and one. closer. Just use the no. fourth one. What's the difference? The, the you're cutting a hair five times. 
the, cutting the same hair five times. And it gets a closer shave. I think the issue became the blade. blades were getting closer and closer together, so the four or five clog up much yes. more quickly. Yes. Than yeah, yeah, I don't have that. By the way, I don't want to let them know and ruin this, but the fifth one has lectins in it. <laughs> <laughs> fifth plate you didn't know that but now you do oh, so, wow. so suck on that <laughs> so cigars were exempt uh back to our story here um for the advertising and um so what did cigarette companies do some cigarette companies changed their paper from white to brown and they called their cigarette a little cigar and that's where it all started and uh, this caused a loophole, which manufacturers classify their filtered cig- cigarettes as filtered cigars <laughs> and avoided the, um, the allowing to advertise and avoiding the taxation also and immediately. And that's really the problem is anytime you do something outside of or, or to alleviate some sort of tax burden, that's when the government becomes interested in your shit. Boom. Ooh. Their eyes open wide. They, they figure this out. And it takes a long time. They pull this shit for a long time. Yeah. Um, cigars were taxed at a far lower rate, and in most cases, zero. And I'm going back um, to the 70s at this point, all the way up to the 80s, through the 80s, into the 90s. Cigarettes sometimes called little cigars now in disguise were made to reclassify them. So they say, okay, now they were cigars, and now little cigars are reclassified into a different model. And we have lots of different models, as you saw on the show. We had cigarillos, and we have little cigars. What do you end up calling these things? Little cigars uh, was the classification. In the U.S., sales of little cigars reached an all-time high in 2006. But Hmm. it's not really true. They're not little cigars. They're cigarettes disguised yeah. as cigars. Um, so imagine all the way to 2006, little cigars reached the all-time high at that point, fueled by um, the fla- uh, favorable taxation. Mm-hmm. So lots of cigarette smokers are choosing to smoke these other things as opposed to cigarettes because they were cheaper. They could buy a... Bo- a um, a pack of cigarettes at five or six dollars, or they could buy a one dollar pack of these little cigars, and the right. same it was the same thing. And the taxation was the was the biggest part of it. Then comes um, in the nineties, flavored cigarettes gets outlawed, uh, and then comes flavored little cigars, which are really cigarettes, uh, become very popular. Um, those that remember the Jarum. Yep. Jarum, mm-hmm. the clove cigarette. It started off as a clove cigarette. Yeah. Huge later be- in the 90s. Later becoming a clove cigar. It was the same thing. They didn't do anything different to it. They just changed the name <laughs> on the packaging and said, okay, it's a cigar now. Wasn't the same done with Capone? Yes, yeah. Al Capone's. Isn't that why Al Capone doesn't sell into the state of New Hampshire? He doesn't sell to us. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I did not know that. Yes. So Al Capone doesn't. So when I classified, and it was me that did it, it's the only place in the United States that has a um, legal definition for what a cigar, premium cigar. Correct. A definition of a premium cigar. Premium. Once I did that, the people at Al Capone and Swisher and others 
were very, very angry. And I heard from the presidents of all these companies at the, t- at the time. They're not the same presidents anymore. And they had come back to me as so angry as they were that I pulled us off. And I invited them to come and speak and everything because I was a member of the Cigar Association of America at that time, the only retailer. And they said no. Which for new people listening, that is a group of uh, manufacturers that are together that discuss how they can use their power to influence the government and keep yes. their tax burden low and all that. So when, when uh, as a member and in, in operating out of New Hampshire, something came about in New Hampshire. I called the Cigar Association, which I paid a lot of money per year to be a member of, way too much for little me at the time, but I did it anyway. I said, oh, there's this thing going on in New Hampshire, and I, you know, I want your help. And they come here, and they say, we're not going to fight this battle. And I said, what do you mean? Here I am, a member for three or four years at that time. And I said, and now I need help. And your lobbyist is right there. Um, come to And they say, no, you got to pick and choose your battles. I said, well, this is the one I pick. And here it is a, <laughs> as, as a member of, of a small group. And this is in my state. And they said, no, you don't do it. So I fought by myself. And I classified premium cigars, which they couldn't believe that I had pulled us off. And their answer was... When they I'm, actually didn't want it to happen. Correct. And I didn't understand. They didn't yep. want it to happen. Although, because they play the game within the game. If cigars are outlawed flavored cigars, we will call it... F- flavored cigarettes are outlawed. We're going to call our flavored cigarette a cigar. Change the paper from white to brown. Yep. And now it's a little cigar. And just say, say it on the package. It was still a little pack of 20... Just mm-hmm. like a, a Tasted cigarette. Tasted the same. It's it a was cigarette. the same thing. <laughs> As the jarum was, uh, it was the same thing. And, and, and listen, we're talking about billions of dollars of loss. I understand what it is. But, hey, if we take down the cigar industry at the same time, who cares? But maybe we'll get another year out of this uh, by calling it a cigar. Because eventually, the, the government looks at it and says, this is bullshit. And now we're going to tax cigars. Is it? necessarily the gov because we know how efficient the government is at everything isn't it more likely that there's a rat inside one of the industries saying to the government hey you really should look over here well how i don't think so because what i think is the consumer was going into the convenience store and saying i'll have a pack of these cigarettes and the guy says, and there's the display on there that says little cigars. Well, I'm not a cigar smoker. I shouldn't want to want to end up getting it. But the consumer knew this was a cigarette. Too. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the consumer's never going to tell the government, you should be taxing this because I'm going to pay more. But if every consumer, we're talking millions and millions of people are consuming it, it, I don't think it's a secret. And somebody in the government also is a cigarette smoker, believe it or not. But they don't want to pay more either. So but it's got to it. be somebody... Within this is the, the wor- industry. This is the worst kept secret ever. <laughs> you know, every, everybody knew. You're saying going- that because you you were in business then, and that was part of your business. Maybe. So the consumer's not going to say it. The retailer sure as shit isn't going to say it. He doesn't want to pay more taxes. He doesn't want to charge his customer more money. Right? And, but the manufacturer making it isn't going to do listen, it. Listen, it's a loophole. And you could see that the, the pack of Marlboros was taxed at a gigantic rate, and the little cig- cigarillo next to it, which Marlboro owned, was not. And all of a sudden, the growth, it, for, to go to all the way to 2026, and little cigars reached its all-time high mm. in, 2020, in 2006. 2006, yeah, we're not at 2026 yet. 
for that to reach, and you know, cigarette consumption has gone down year after Certainly. year. Certainly. Well, it really didn't because now you're smoking little <laughs> cigars. And then you say the sales of little cigars. Actually, Dominican Republic was reporting these astronomical numbers of imports until it was finally decided that, listen, these are not cigars. So they had to clean up a lot of years and years of um, wrong numbers. At what point did the six pounds per thousand designation come in? Is that state of New Hampshire first time? No. And it started off at maybe two Two pounds per thousand went up to three pounds per thousand, and then New Hampshire went to six pounds per thousand. But other people did too, and maybe New Hampshire was was the was the first one because it was me, and I had to come up with something in the hallway uh, that day <laughs> to say it. And I said, "Okay, I know that um, the Macanoodle Ascot is three pounds per thousand, but it's awful small, and it's the same as the Dos Ombre we smoked. Let me go to six pounds per thousand and see." And what does that mean to the the guy voting? He doesn't know <laughs> no. six pounds and I, and I got away with six pounds per thousand. I I got at the end of this, you know, and saying to the cigarette companies who were saying we're not going to sell to you anymore, frick you, we, you know, we, look what you just did. They should have said thank you that I actually raised the bar and made it so so it's there. But you, you were dead on this loophole. What was going to happen was we were all going to be taxed at the same rate, right? which in this case in New Hampshire was 68%. My business was going to go away or I was going to give up one of the children. And one of the children was Barry. little little, <laughs> little Cigarillo to say, no, do whatever you want with this, but we're not the same as that. Are we? Is a little Cigarillo with a, with a tip on it, with a filter, the same as a cigar? No. No, no way. No. no way. So who, who's bullshitting who? I mean, I, I ended up saying this is the way it was. So also comes out with vanilla, chocolate, rum, just to name a few. These are the little cigars. Oh, honey was big. Yes, yep. honey was a big one. Um, then state-by-state uh, state taxes. Um, and I'm, now I'm into the 90s when the state-by-state state taxes become a thing. Um and again, why did this happen? Some people may argue it was because of the attention that was on cigars during the cigar boom. The cigar boom, although doubled the sales of cigars, it was minuscule still. The number is like almost a, a, a rounding error for the cigarette companies, but the cigarette companies caused the taxation of cigars within the state, period. And this is why I hated when Philip Morris bought Nat Sherman. I know these things ended up happening, and these cigarette companies were willing to sacrifice the cigar industry and just use them as they did. Um, it was immediate discontinue for me when Philip Morris took it. And I remember talking to Michael Herklotz, who was in charge there at the time, and he goes, Dave, what do you mean you discontinue? And I go, I'm out. It's Philip Morris. I said, this is not going to end well. we got to get them out of the cigar business, right. not in the cigar business. This is bad. Um, Oliva. Oliva, who, who was fine as a cigar company, gets sold to Jay Cortez. Jay Cortez, another giant cigarette manufacturer or little cigar manufacturer, whatever you want to call it, uh, out in Europe, very concerning to me mm-hmm. when they took over Oliva. And I go, oh, that's, it's not good for our business. Swisher, who takes over Drew Estate, oh, no. You know, I, you start worrying again because they're another one that pulled the stuff through the whole thing. Villiga, Davidoff. So Davidoff, we look at the the big four and always wonder, 
Um, okay, it was Altadas who had lots of these um, cigarillos. You had um, General Cigar, which is Scandinavian tobacco, the largest of all. Um, and then you had um, Drew Estate, which makes sense also. Swish but Davidoff didn't make sense. But you know what? Davidoff is a giant maker of these little and it dawns on me when uh, Ed Sullivan is handed a little teeny <laughs> cigar the other day and said, "Oh my God, what's this?" And then I, I said, "Oh, how long did that take you to smoke?" Twelve minutes. Yeah, that's a little cigar. Um, you know, I think they said ten minutes on their website, but I got twelve out of yeah, it. Yeah, their website's crazy. It's a twenty ring gauge, is it? Uh, 22. 22, and a cigarette is 20. Uh, 19 to 20, yeah. So there was, I believe it was Swisher. I could be wrong on this, but I think it was Swisher. When they were doing these weight-based things at the beginning of it, and it was the three pounds per thousand or whatever it had to be, one of the Swishers didn't reach it, and all of a sudden it did reach it. So somebody diagnosed it when it did reach it, and inside the filter... Clay was kitty litter. Yeah, mm, I remember that. I remember that? About that. Was this it is, used kitty litter? I mean, could you taste the? Uh, I don't know. Cat urine? I don't, I don't <laughs> think it was used because they make billions of these things. But this is what ends up hurting the cigar industry when somebody else from another industry comes in and uses the cigar industry. Think to about the the roll your own debacle with um, people saying it was pipe tobacco. And it wasn't pipe tobacco. That was cigarette tobacco. That's right. In bulk. The question is, do they have the strength and character to admit what they did? It's time for incredible feats of strength. Brought to you by Camacho Cigars. For six decades, Camacho have been working hard to build the best damn cigar around. And they have gotten through it all by sticking to their vision. The strength to do anything they set their hand to. Camacho Cigars. I have with me the top 17 uh, jobs that it takes strength and character to keep. It's such an odd number. You couldn't get three more? <laughs> or you just cut and pasted? Some of them were, um, no, it was, a, it was a list of 30, but some of he, them were quasi-repeats. Yeah. Where you got a construction worker and then you got a steel worker and they're both doing the same shit. All right. So this is a divorce lawyer. It takes a lot of strength and character. To be a divorce lawyer with an average salary of $121,978. Okay, that's legit. That's a good number. Why is it strength and character? There's uh, 1.28 million divorce lawyers wow. in the United States. <laughs> that's Nuts. a lot. Divorces are messy affairs where people often bring out the absolute worst side. As a lawyer... You'll have to deal with fights, screaming matches, high emotions, all while remaining calm and trying to keep your client. Ah. I'm sorry, trying to help your client. Okay. <laughs> also keep. Uh, Ex-partners will sometimes try to take advantage of each other during divorce procedures. And you are responsible for making sure that doesn't happen. Let me, if, let me ask this. This is maybe a crazy question that I, I'm an idiot for. when Because you're saying divorce partners. So... Ex-partners, yeah. If there's two gay people, they do they, they get divorced? If they were married. Okay. Hmm. If kids are involved, the stakes are even higher. Dealing with divorce every day can make lawyers less trusting and more jaded. 
which affects their personal life. Add to that long hours, mountains of paperwork, and frustrating laws, and it's easy to see why divorce lawyers are often so stressed. Wow. I wouldn't think they care at all. I mean, one person saying one thing, one thing, the other, and at the end of this is going to be a a mathematical equation that the judge is going to dictate to. They're not going to have anything to do with that. It's not like they have to pick the number. They're going to do play their best cards to the judge? No, because you end up with the added value of the assets being sentimental. So the guy's got a boat and the girl's oh. got a she shed. She wants the she shed. He wants the boat. Good. Even though they don't have the same value, you may mm-hmm. agree, okay, he gets to keep the boat, I get to keep the she who, shed. Or give me 10000 you keep the boat, and I keep the she shed. Who, who gets the dog? That's the problem. You cut it in half. When I got divorced, (laughs) we we actually had three dogs. So the dog I hated, I pretended that's the one that I really wanted. Wow. And she took that one. Really? You played her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I got the good dogs. You got two dogs, the two you wanted. She got the bad dog you didn't want. Right, because I told her that's the only one I want. Look at how you played her. Oh, yeah. What if you got stuck with that fucking dog, though? That, that's a scary proposition. He knew her. He was divorcing her. He knew. <laughs> yeah, I knew what I, she was all about. Played right. that bitch. Yeah. yeah, I like it. So Jonathan brings up what happened to pipe tobacco. Why is that tax so high? And it was roll your own cigarettes yep. that ended up happening. So roll your own cigarettes become a big thing, and it's not taxed. And that was the idea of roll your own cigarettes because they said, hey, we'll create this thing, and people will assemble it themselves. There's no tax on the... <laughs> bulk tobacco, and then the government watches this thing grow and become big, and then says, we're going to tax, roll your own cigarettes. It's got to be a rat on the inside, though, because it's the company that didn't have roll your own tobacco that's like, oh, all right, these guys found a loophole. What do you mean a rat? It's somebody who was rolling it. (laughs) Instead of being a rising tide that raises the ships, the company rats them out to the government. It goes on for years. Are you saying that... that, that Department of Taxation didn't know it existed unless no, somebody they knew they knew Roll Your Own existed they knew. and it got bigger and bigger and they probably sat by the yeah. sidelines till it got bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden they say okay we're going to tax Roll Your Own cigarettes the bulk t- tobacco so what did the cigarette companies do they called it pipe, pipe tobacco, tobacco. Mm. and poor pipe tobacco that is sitting and dying on the vine <laughs> in the industry. And it's getting worse and worse and worse every year. All of a sudden, gets a giant tax the way they tax cigarettes on bulk pipe tobacco statewide and uh, decimates the tobacco industry of pipe tobacco industry on top of it. Did the cigarette companies care? That they did this? No, they got years out of it, used it, and then decimated an industry mm. at the same time. So can't we? Can't they? As they were doing it, I'm like, I, I just think so badly of the cigarette industry. Here I am. Listen, two guys smoke shop started out. We carried everything, and I quickly learned that the cigarette industry, the big cigarette companies, had no soul. There wasn't. They weren't doing it yeah. for any other They're reason. They're out to get you. And I I learned to hate them, especially Philip Morris, especially Philip Morris. And um, they took people down. They wanted to be the last guy standing. And when I see little things like that happen, in the, even in the cigar industry, I look mm-hmm. at it and I go, oh, I, you know, this is how you li- live your life. You live and learn as things go on. And uh, I, I hate seeing it. So uh, it wasn't everybody... Um, 
not everybody knew it. Like people that didn't roll your own cigarettes didn't realize pipe tobacco said it, but the government knew it. Was their inside job? I knew it, and I didn't carry it. I think everybody knew it. You go into a convenience store and you see uh, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of pounds of roll your own pipe tobacco. Every convenience store you went into, drug stores too. Yes, yeah. yeah. So um, the, um, they did it. The, it's the cigarette companies tried to kill the cigar industry and the pipe industry, and they did a damn good job. They taxed it really bad um, across the country, state by state by state. And um, when I see the cigarette companies, and you wonder why, I see the cigarette company come into the cigar industry, and they go, oh, no, this is not good. They're not going to help things out. Oh, they're bringing lots of money into the cigar industry. They're using the cigar industry, <laughs> and we're gonna, they're going to get caught later on and they know it but it's okay how many years can we survive through this so uh that is the after show um what next week what do we got coming up we have uh no ed sullivan no ed sullivan but we're going to talk about special occasion cigars and we'll talk about ed sullivan behind his back yes mm-hmm. we will yeah yeah that's what we do that's fine stick the lid end in your mouth you might like it The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.